Welcome back to People Analytics. I'm your host, Lindsay Patton. Today we have with us Kimmer. Kimmer. <laughs> That's me. I yesterday was a wreck, so I'm like with the podcast. So I'm just like continuing my my streak. Let me <laughs> let me try that again. No worries. Get a little sip. Cheers. <laughs> Welcome back to People Analytics. Welcome back to People Analytics. I'm your host, Lindsay Patton. Today with me, I have Kimberly Marolda, who is the Director of Human Resources at Hamilton Thorne, Inc. Welcome, Kimberly. Hello. Thank you for having me. Thanks for being on the show. So let's tell everyone who you are, what you do, and why you do it. (laughs) You got it. Uh, So I have worked within the human resources sphere, if you will, uh, for... Oh my gosh, I don't even know how long. Um, Probably seven years at this point. And then Mm -hmm. prior to that, I was a retail warrior and did a lot of uh, sales management and team management out on the sales floor uh, in in the operations field. So it Mm -hmm. was very eye-opening and an easy transition into HR from there because your people skills become so developed when you're out on a retail sales floor and your business acumen really starts to fine tune as well. So a lot of transferable skills came from that experience. And here I am today. Wow. That's a really interesting connection. So what skills would you say uh, have been most valuable from that transition? I would say the softer skills side really helps make those connections with people that you need to do from an HR perspective. Because I look at HR as kind of a twofold position. One focuses on those softer skills, building the connections with team members and members of the group as a whole outside of your own team, if you manage one, but you have to make connections with everybody within the organization. And having those softer skills and those ability to make, build relationships and ask questions that encourage people to open up. That was really important to to have uh, as an HR profession, a skill set. And then you have the administrative side of HR as well, which is what I think a lot of people try to sell themselves on or package a position as when we're trying to recruit for HR professional people. We focus on, okay, well, what can you bring to the table administratively? What can you make efficient? What are you experienced with in terms of a software program or a platform? Um, And how quickly can you do things? How much experience do you have with that? But for me, it's completely twofold. And I find and have found in my career that most of the administrative work seems to be kind of like the bulk of somebody's job description. Mm. But from an HR perspective, at least for me, the bulk of my actual work is more of engaging with people and listening to them and working Mm. through employee relations, working through personal development plans, um, making... uh, sort of, you know, leave plans if anybody has issues that are happening that need to take them away from the workforce for a while and being a support system for them in that regard and focusing more on the like ooey gooey culture building stuff. Mm -hmm. Ooey gooey, Um, explain (laughs) ooey gooey to me. (laughs) Um, 
So I like to think of the, the, the feelings aspect of uh-huh. getting to know your team and getting to try to understand what those subconscious motivators are that encourage behavior patterns mm-hmm. or reactions or defensiveness, really trying to dive in to say, what's actually the root cause of this? Is it uh-huh. something that the company is is doing or not doing? Is it something that lies deep within you that is outside of the work field, but is uh, setting you up to react in this certain way or to think in this certain way? Because if I can understand that, I can help work with you better and help other people work with you and then help you also be a stronger presence here working with other people. So diving into that uh, emotional intelligence of people and their personal aspect of their personality, as opposed to their professional aspect of their personality, that's the ooey gooey. It's hard work and not everybody is open to it. Not everybody values it. I found a lot of value in it throughout my Mm -hmm. HR, throughout my HR career. Yeah. So, you know, going off of those ooey gooey (laughs) strategies, (laughs) I love that. Um, You know, in my career, I've, I've come across, you know, people that, you know, want to get to know me, want to understand how to help. And then I've come across people who are like, you need to leave your issues and your emotions at home. Do not bring them here. Do not tell me about it. Do your job. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, do you see a, a transition from more of the hard structure, like you can't bring your emotions to work, keep them at home into, well, work is now our lives. So we kind of have to <laughs> bring our emotions in because we can't really, you know, we're, it's, it surrounds us now. Um, so yeah, what are your thoughts on, on, on that? So I think that the, the, not only has the workplace evolved, but management strategies have evolved. I, mm-hmm. I think the pandemic had a lot to do with that in recent memory, but if we go back even decades of workplace evolution, I think you can start to see a trend away from that hard line that these are the hours that you plug in. And when you're done, you're done for the day. I don't care what you're doing. I don't want to know what you're doing. I don't want to know anything about you, but when you're here, you're working. We've moved away from that as people have started to spend more time at work. Mm -hmm. Uh, The 40-hour work week has gone out the window. Um, The five days a week for a lot of companies, uh, to some degree, have flown out the window. Um, I'm not saying that for our company, but as a trend, you start to see people dedicating more and more time to work. And that line gets even more blurred when you're remote. Because Mm -hmm. now it's so much more easier to just like quickly log in uh, before you get your day started just to get a head start. Yeah. Or quiet or mm-hmm. to work later or just check in on the weekends. How's that inbox? I don't want to have 800 messages waiting for me. Yeah. And then you get trapped in and sucked in. And the next thing you know, there goes an hour, there goes two hours. Yeah. Those add up over time and the boundaries start to get blurred. That, that work-life balance that everybody strives so hard for and, and talks so much about, it's increasingly difficult to have that as we're more and more engaged in just working as mm-hmm. our state of being. Yeah. So with that comes people's personalities, comes people's feelings. They mm-hmm. don't have that break anymore, that hard line separation. Uh, 
more of people's personalities starts to get embedded in their work. They start to want to build more connections with the people that they're working with because of the amount of time they spend with them and the amount of different types of interactions they have with them. So it's, it's as people invest more of their time, they naturally start to invest more of themselves as well. Yeah. And just the denial uh, that horrible things happen and people are expected to, you know, ignore that yeah. <laughs> and, and work, you know, like how I think about people who are going through grief or mm-hmm. someone who just got a cancer diagnosis and yes. that you can't leave that at home. Like you can't leave that, push that aside. No. And with the just general social push, the general cultural push towards acknowledging and talking about mental health and Mm -hmm. emotional well-being, that's trickled in and carried into the workforce as well, because now there are wellness programs that a lot of companies take advantage of to help support uh, people's emotional well-being. And it's just become so much more topical to express how you feel accepted to express how you feel. What's your opinion on something? Um, What is your background in something personal that has helped you move forward to where you are now? Because we're not so black and white. We're not so cut and dry. Mm -hmm. And the embracing of all of those nuances and gray areas of people's personalities and histories and behaviors, I think is really important to acknowledge and learn and understand so that way you can build your own personal rapport with them and you can help other people build rapport with each other because now we're seeing each other on a human level yeah. as opposed to just coworkers. Yeah. And I know one of the reasons you've been so successful in your career is because you have a very community mindset. So tell me about what community means to you and how you foster that in the work environment. Sure. So I, so there's that old saying that we're like a family here. (laughs) I I know that always used to be meant to be a draw because family is a feel good for most people, uh, hopefully. Well, (laughs) (laughs) right, exactly. So maybe I take that back. Uh, Everybody's got their something, but uh, family historically has always been, um, oh, yes, we're here for each other. We may argue, but we come back because there's a universal love and understanding. But the reality of that means that, okay, we're family. And now that has evolved into we're a family. So therefore, you're connected all the time. And you're going to just have to deal with the bad personalities because we're just, you know, that's what happens when you're in a family. And suddenly, for me, it's like, when I hear a company being like, we're like a family here, that feels like a red flag to me because now it, to me, that feels like, oh, so you are going to replace my actual family. Yeah. Yeah. Like the trend I start to see with a lot of companies that claim to be a family environment. Yeah. And Um, the hierarchical aspect of it too, you know, you have the matriarch and patriarch and, and so that's filled in by, you know, your bosses and, Mm -hmm. There's also in families, I feel like there's that rule of like you you don't disrespect adults or elders. You treat or you always treat them with respect. But, you know, if someone's disrespecting you, you have the right to, to stand up to that. You're not a family. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So I like to use the term community instead, because I feel mm-hmm. like that helps set more boundaries. But it also focuses on building and engaging uh 
a pool of people that are all gathered together for a common purpose, a mm -hmm. common goal, and they have a shared set amount of time. This is the project we're working on. This is the amount of time it's going to take to push through this. This is the how long this meeting is. This is what uh, we're going to dedicate in terms of time. We're all here at the same time to do this, but then we all go home or to wherever it is that we go and enjoy our lives outside of work as best we can. That varies for everybody in terms of what that looks like. And I think that the community focus allows more for people to acknowledge each other as people as yeah. opposed to that stigma of we're family. Yeah. So we deal with it. Absolutely. And I know that community is so important to you in all aspects of, of your life as well. I mean, you know, I, I'm a proud aunt and um, my brother, his family, we're, our family is nearby. And so we're all we're just a little community of of helpers for my nephew. And it's really, really amazing to see what happens when people come together, you know, Absolutely. for a common cause, whether that's a child's well-being or, you know, in the workplace. Because it feels more, it feels selfless uh, mm -hmm. and less like work. If you've, if you're engaging in a way where you want to contribute and you want to support and you want to help and provide a foundation that that people can rely on, I think that that is so self fulfilling as well. Mm -hmm. But it also helps everybody else around you realize that, oh, this this is a supportive, safe space. Yeah. I know that I'm going to be able to get what I need out of this. And it's not a perfect world. It's it's never going to 100% always be present. There's always going to be strong personalities that don't want to, you know, play in the play box. Uh, but <laughs> at the same time, for the most part, I found that in my experience, people have responded really well to a more community gathering approach. Mm -hmm. Like we're all here as, as team members, as coworkers to push forward this bottom line. Yeah. These are the goals. It's whether it's a project with a defined end game, whether it's sales revenue, whether it's building something, there's always that focus. And here's how we're going to all participate and contribute to that. Yeah. And then we, then we set the boundary, we go forward and we continue to develop ourselves as people as opposed to workers. Yeah. So I know that COVID through challenges at all of us, especially HR professionals. <laughs> so I, I know that creating community had been challenging for you, you know, in the virtual space, and now you're in the hybrid space, and you know, you're trying to balance that. So how are you creating community after, you know, everything was shaken up? Oh, my gosh. So it continues to be a challenge. I'm not going to lie. When you have a healthy blend of 100% remote people who are scattered throughout the country, if not the globe, very different time frames, very different schedules that you have to work around. And I think being able to connect face-to-face -face is one of the most important ways to continue to engage and to build a rapport and really get to know people. Because when we hide behind emails or even just a phone call, you don't get to see those subtle nuances 
senses of mm-hmm. people's expressions or what's going on in their environment around them, which is always very subtle clues about their personalities and who they are. I know that a lot of people put filters up behind them. I personally don't like them only because <laughs> I'm not here to judge what your background looks like yeah. if you're in an <laughs> office or at home. I'm not here to judge it at all, but it tells me a little bit more about who you are. And I love getting to know that they're like silent sellers of your personality. And I think that it's, it's really important to try to make those face-to-face connections as much as you possibly can when people are not able to actually be physically present together. Yeah. It's interesting that you bring up the background. I uh, recently had someone on the show who's, um, you know, a leader, a mother, you know, she loves uh, fitness. And so she makes it intentionally uh, her background. So her her fitness gear, her children's toys. And she's like, this is who I am. And I need people to know who I am. And I feel like more people are, have more courage to be themselves in the workplace. Now, recognizing that, um, you know, people who are historically oppressed in the workplace do not have as much freedom. Um, So, you know, with that noted, I feel like we are in a space where people are like, you know, I'm, I'm not going to pretend. I'm, I'm going to show you who I am. Exactly. And I encourage that. That's how you build community. That's mm-hmm. how you contribute. Because you're more than just the work that you do. You're, the, you're a person bringing something to the table. Yeah. And the more that we can embrace that about ourselves and the more that we can surround ourselves with uh, leaders who also embrace that as managers, as bosses, as teammates, as anybody who's contributing to your experience at work, the more that we accept each other for who we are and encourage people to show their their face, uh, literally and figuratively, (laughs) the more we can encourage that. It just breaks down a lot of barriers. I think that the remote world has allowed us to, you know, the advent of of technology, social media, the remote world, all of that has allowed us to really hide behind these screens as opposed to trying to reach through them. So let's talk about your office for a minute because because I know, you know, that face-to-face environment uh, that you prefer Um, you make it so people want to come into your office and that you want to come into your office. So uh, for people who are not watching the video, can you describe what your office looks like? Sure. So I, um, I, I'm a, I have a green thumb when it comes to house plants, a black thumb when it comes to outside plants. I don't know why, but for me, I really like to surround myself with a lot of plants, a lot of greenery, a lot of soft lighting, some soft music. Uh, I always have random playlists up that have, you know, soft classical or piano or maybe some lo-fi beats mixed with uh, something piano related or, or acoustic guitar related because it provides like a nice backdrop for focus for me personally if it's just me but it also provides a well more welcoming space I have an oil diffuser sometimes I forget I have it so I don't turn it on but I do and I try to be cognizant of the fact that you know, scents can trigger people. So I, I'm selective about when I can use it. Um, 
but I try to make it as welcoming of a space as possible. I have my, my, my main desk, I have my multiple screens, I have lamps, I have a little Himalayan salt rock, I'm a little boho, but <laughs> I also have, I, I'm afforded the luxury of enough space where I can also have a conversation table in the office. Mm. And I know not everybody can have that, but I do, so I love it. And then what I try to do is break down that I sit behind my desk and you sit in front of my desk because then that automatically creates a visual barrier of you're at the principal's office or you're being reprimanded by the big boss or something along those lines. So I try to get out from behind it and sit at the conversation desk or take it elsewhere to a room that has a larger table, whether it's a conference room, a meeting room, a boardroom. So that way I can actually sit next to them or, or, or adjacent to them. And we can open up our body language a little bit more and be more comfortable because I find that the more comfortable and inviting and welcoming of a space that you can have, and that doesn't necessarily mean pretty space. Mm-hmm. That doesn't necessarily mean artful space. What it means is a place that is, uh, you know, organized and cleaned up because nobody wants to walk into an office. that's just like piles of paper everywhere, <laughs> yeah. but a place that is, you know, cleaned up, it has comfortable furniture, um, and it doesn't have that like harsh, brash overhead, blue, blue, white lighting. Um, just trying to find ways to soften it a little bit more, make it more like a living room, if at all possible. Yeah. Because then people ease in a little bit more. They get a little bit more comfortable. Uh, they stay a little bit longer. And then as they start to get more comfortable and they don't feel as if they're being you know, put on blast or walking into an interrogation room or anything along those lines, when they start to feel more comfortable, they start to open up a lot more. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that in the environment will, you know, make or break the situation. The people who are there make or break the situation. So yeah. you could have the most inviting space in the world and it's not going to do you a, a lick of good if, if it's a nasty conversation that's about yeah. to But <laughs> if, If it's somebody who is apprehensive or nervous, HR, no matter how nice you are, always makes people nervous when you're like, could you come in my office or you set a meeting, which always surprises me, but I, you know, you have to put yourself in their shoes. So I try to make sure that nobody feels as if they're doing the death march down to the HR. (laughs) (laughs) So that way when they walk in, they're like, oh, okay, this feels serene. Yeah. <laughs> okay. This sets the tone. Yeah. All right. And then they start to slowly ease in a little bit more into conversation, letting their guard down a little bit more. And I often find that when an in-person meeting is happening in an environment where people become comfortable, the meetings last so much longer. Whereas mm-hmm. with, and the, which not necessarily always means more productive, let's be real, but yeah. <laughs> it usually lasts a lot longer because now people find that they have a lot more to say. Mm-hmm. And you hopefully when there's more time being spent talking and engaging with each other and opening up with each other, even if you don't have a resolution to something when, the, when people leave the room, even if you have to create follow-up sessions or you've only made just a tiny little bit of progress on a project that you're collaborating on. I find that people, the more that they tell you, the more you learn about them, the more nuggets of, of psychology you can pull out of them. Oh, yeah. this is how you feel about this. Or, or this tells me a lot about who you are as a person and what your viewpoints are and what your approach to, to this type of activity in the workplace is, or this type of relationship building is. And I, I, it's hard to build that when you're like at a hard and fast 
time-stamped meeting where if you're via Zoom or Teams, you have this like box flashing that says five more minutes left. And you're like, oh my gosh. Um, And I'm not saying every meeting needs to go off the rails and last two hours beyond what was allotted. That's incredibly unproductive. But it is nice uh, to kind of soften those parameters, those hard and fast that we've gotten so used to doing being in such a remote space now. Right. People, um, you know, if there's a clock in front of them, of course, they're going to focus on that and count down until they they can. I I definitely have a clock on my wall. I don't get me wrong, but it's not like in your face. It's Mm -hmm. not where I can look at it if I need it, because I do like to stay on track as much as possible. You know, we're busy people. We all have meetings back to back some days. We all have people waiting outside the door who are like, are you free? Um, (laughs) You try to, to stay cognizant of the time. But yeah. if it's staring at you right in the face and blinking and flashing warning signs, it gets to be a distraction. And yeah, it's yeah. So you mentioned psychology and, um, you know, I did. I have a question about that yeah. because it seems like you are very mindful about human behavior, how humans interact with the workplace and the world and the psychology of it all. So, you know, how do you put yourself in a place where you are? basically a student of human behavior. Yeah. A lot of it comes with listening mm-hmm. and allowing people to talk. Sometimes I feel, and I, myself included, when there's a silence, you want to fill it up with words. Mm-hmm. Because you're uncomfortable with the silence. But what that then does is it doesn't give people a moment to reflect or truly think about what it is that they want to say next. Because when you're filling the space with words constantly, then everyone around you starts to think about what are they going to say next? Because they're not going to have an oppor- a pause to think about it. Yeah. You set the tone now where everybody has to be on guard with their next talking point. So now they're not actively listening to you either. So learning about who people are and what they do and allowing moments of silence to happen in meetings allows for thoughtfulness and consideration. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really important to really understand who everybody is as a human, both not, you know, inside the workplace, most importantly, and to some degree outside of the workplace. So you can understand a little bit more about who they are. I'm not saying go over to their house and have dinner, but, you know, <laughs> learn who are you? What's what's your family structure like What or home structure? Uh, what is what are some of your likes and dislikes? Do you have hobbies? Learning more about them in a way that feels more engaging than just small talk. Yeah. I think allows you to better understand why people do what they do, yeah. which can then help you drive them appropriately. Okay, maybe you're not suited uh, to lead people, and that's fine. Not everybody is. Maybe your skill set lies elsewhere in in really driving project management and, and tasking and making sure that this is getting completed or this is put over there or what you know you start to learn more about what people's strengths and weaknesses are and it's yeah. not just with their competencies it's about who they are and what their social skill sets are like because the people management aspect that I've found in, in my career the people management aspect is where most managers are weak 
because mm-hmm. they, they're way too focused on no these are the duties of the job these this yeah. is the result end result that we need and all of that's fine and good but they or they're conflict avoidance so they don't want to deal with the people management side of being like well if i talk to them about how this wasn't appropriate or i or it made me uncomfortable or is inhibiting future work if i talk to them about that it's going to create a conflict and then we're going to argue and i don't want to argue i just want to make my people happy (laughs) i hear that a lot and that's completely valid it's completely valid because we're human beings too we don't want to be arguing in the workplace no (laughs) but learning how to appropriately people manage to make sure that people are following policies and procedures, but doing it in a way where you're not like a tyrant or a dictator, boss, yeah. micromanager, bossing everybody around. You need to be able to build a relationship with them first and foremost and learn how to communicate with them. Yeah. You can't do that if you don't know who they are. That's why I like to learn more about my people and build a connection with them because I can then figure out more about how to make them the best that they can be or not make them. That's the wrong word. Help them. How can I help them be the best that they can be mm-hmm. here? Mm-hmm. Not only for their own personal development, because there's nothing better than seeing somebody move on either up in the organization or out of the organization because they have mastered something. There's yeah. nothing better than that. And it, so I just, I like to learn that so I can help people, but then also meet the business needs and help the business grow and do what we all came here to do. Yeah, it's all it's all involved. Mm-hmm. Well, Kimberly, this has been an amazing conversation. I I love your passion. I love your just desire to get deeper and really create a space where everyone feels safe and supported. So before we part, do you have anything that you would like to add that you think I missed or uh, you'd like to say? I, I think I, I would just like to encourage anybody who's listening or in the HR field or, or managing teams or looking to to build a better relationship with, with an individual or anything along those lines. I think it's it's really important to try to put yourself in their shoes and drop your defenses and and try to figure out what part do you own of this Mm -hmm. because it's a two-way street all the time and if you can allow a little bit of vulnerability to show through other people sense that if you lead by example in that way other people hopefully will follow suit and be a little bit more vulnerable with you and open up with you a little bit more which only helps to facilitate communication and that is so critical in team building in goal progression in just hitting your goals in general mm-hmm. um, and your it, it, and anything that you need to do to get over the hurdle to the finish line, being able to do that as a team is really important. And it starts with being non-judgmental, not thinking you're better than the next person and just communicating with them and recognizing the humanity in each people and yeah. recognizing that they're real people with thoughts and feelings and how can, how can we, preserve that and support that. Absolutely. So if people want to get in touch, what's the best way to do so? Sure. Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn. So it's just uh, LinkedIn, then my name, Kimberly Marolda, no dots, no underscores, no numbers or anything like that. But I encourage any sort of connectivity out there in the social world. I'm happy to build a bigger network and get to know what works for everybody else. Amazing. Well, if you or anyone you know is like Kimberly who wants to create more community in the workplace, 
send me an email, lindsay at staffgeek.com. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to Staff Geek's People Analytics Podcast. I'm your host, Lindsay Patton, and I'm always looking to interview leaders who put people first. If you or someone you know lead with a people-first mindset, please email me at lindsay at staffgeek.com. That's L-I-N-D-S-A-Y at staffgeek.com. If you want to take things a step deeper and understand your organization's true culture DNA, I encourage you to take Staff Geek's free culture assessment. Just head to staffgeek.com and click the button that says free culture assessment. Thanks again for listening.